Welcome to episode two of In the Pocket, uh, where we deep dive into the Grateful Dead and all their glory, as well as talk about anything else that happens to come out of our mouths. I'm Keegan. I'm Adam. All right. How's it Get going, dude? It. Good, man. Week two here on the pod. So. Week two. I think this one hopefully will be a little more clean. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> circumstantial. I'm excited for the song of the week. I'm sure you are as well. Oh, me too. I have um a deep love for this song and i going into kind of the stats and the history of it it's just amazing it's just good it's just and a lot of surprising little tidbits too where like you know the time where it came out we can get into that later but i was just i was just surprised you know i've been listening so in preparation for this probably even more than last week when we did terrapin station i've been listening to just a lot more versions of it and then just a lot more grateful dead in general like just re-listen i mean i know that's a uh, resource that you and i both use sometimes but yeah like listening to this song and then just kind of getting a better feel for the eras and the different sounds and and you know trying to learn a little bit more um, as we said like our our grateful dead scholarship you know we're trying absolutely trying to get some more back and i know you're reading deal right or you you don't i'm like i'm soft reading deal i've been reading deal by billy for a long time and I keep like picking it up and putting it down because it's super interesting and also um it's just he's not a very good writer <laughs> so Phil it's kind of tough too, right say what Phil has a book too right I'm sure he does I think Jerry does as well um uh, right. I don't know if it's an autobiography or a biography or what but yeah I think I, I want to start I want to read all their books because I mean Billy, he hung out a lot with um, the roadie crew and like the stage stage guys who would set up, you know, the wall of sound and stuff. And so he has a bunch of really awesome stories about like shooting fireworks through uh, the balconies of a, of, of a big hotel um, and like racing through Paris just to try to get to a plane to go to like a, a Formula One show racing and then finding a massive bag of cocaine and weed underneath their table or underneath the seat in the car. Um, just like crazy shit that like the dude should have died or gotten arrested, you know, badly. Yeah. I mean, and they did get arrested a few times, but I mean, terrible. that's very on brand. I was reading a lot about the keyboardists of the Grateful Dead and how there's, you know, sort of a curse um, just with oh, yeah. the tragedies that have befallen some of the keyboardists, you know, brand uh, namely, Keith even. And actually, I know we've talked about this before, but I think based on the, my favorite era, which I'm really coming into like 73 is my go-to. Keith yeah. is obviously on the keys or I guess more accurately the piano because I think he was playing a grand piano and like Brent who was playing the keyboard. Right. Electric. And some more. So I, I do kind of like that sound the more I've been noticing it. And I, that's just like my favorite era. So um, interesting. Because yeah, they took, I believe they took 74 off. I think they took that year off. Sounds right. Um, 75 was like secret shows and like basements for the most part. And then they had some other ones. But But I think, I mean, so you're saying Brent's your favorite or Keith? All right. Yeah, I I was really all over the place there. But Keith, I think think I'm, I think I'm going for the sound, like cohesiveness with the band and just like the songs that they performed for for my favorite era would be Keith. But 
I'm Brent. a big Brent guy. I'm a big Brent fan. Um, I mean, every time I see a clip, I love his energy and like he he just really brings it. But, his beard too. I mean, his beard alone. That's that shit is fierce. But I mean, no, I think he's one of the most one of the t- very. He's in my opinion, the sound that he makes is just it goes so. It's such a Grateful Dead sound. I mean, so yeah. so with Keith's too. Yeah, um, he was a motherfucking talented pianist. He's like classically trained, which I think maybe was- yeah why he's a little bit different but imagine brent like he's a deadhead growing up and he was i think 20 mid-20s when he joined it and really imagine joining your favorite band you know when when you're a kid you're listening to them and then you're suddenly in the band playing that's definitely how keith and donna were too because donna was like she has this famous quote where she was like i don't want to listen to them i want to i want to play with them or whatever and then and then she walked up to bobby or phil or something She's like, I think I have your next keyboardist at like a show and it was Keith and then just ended up working out. Wow. Um, and then I posted on Reddit on r slash Grateful Dead talking about Merle Saunders and Jerry and Billy touches a little bit of, on the book of like, why didn't Merle Saunders really get a shot? Because they had that Tom Constantine and Billy was just like, he just never was one of us. He just never fit in. He left voluntarily too, which is cool. He's yeah. Just like, yeah. I've, I've contributed as much as I can, which I think yeah. was like a dark star and some other stuff, but. Yeah. And I think that I, it, cause it was at towards the end, you know, Phil, I think had some issues with Pigpen, where Phil had a idea of where they were going as a band. And he didn't think pig had the skills on the keys, at least to go there. He was very much a bluesman. And also he had that, you know, te- really bad alcoholism and, and, uh, other just internal problems right but um but merle saunders i've always wondered like what would what would that have looked like if, if merle kind of took the helm um i'm not really sure like where he would have come in if it was before keith or after keith because i know he and jerry had a long relationship and merle saunders was the guy who kind of like taught or coaxed um jerry to relearn the guitar after his diabetic coma um mm. In like the mid 80s, I, I forget, I don't know the exact year when that came out, but I think it was like, yeah, um, yeah, I, just, I think I read that recently. I think it's 85 is the coma, maybe, maybe we can be corrected on that, but yeah, imagine relearning the instrument yeah, that you're like basically mastered. It's crazy, and so you know, having that relationship with Jerry, and also they just played really beautiful music together. Um, I think that would have been amazing because he is a Merle Saunders is one of my favorite, I don't know, like rock, I would say musicians but some people in the comments they were saying you know merle maybe wasn't too hip on jerry's uses of heroin maybe Mm -hmm. he also didn't want to get stapled down um, to one band he wanted to have his own thing and also jerry maybe also wanted to keep his world separate because he had that jerry band thing going on he also had stuff with merle and i i could from all the documentaries i've seen and you know just general talk it seemed like you know jerry jerry was grateful dead but Mm -hmm every time they stopped, he would just play with somebody else. And maybe he liked that, you know, little break of, of atmosphere, of fandom of. Yeah. And the people that you're with, I mean, he's with the same people on the road, you know, a large majority of his life. So maybe he's he's like Merle, we got to kind of keep this separate so we can have something. And I would damn sure if I ever meet one of them, I'm going to ask that question. Uh, (laughs) Merle died at like 74, I think, um, or 78, something like that damn shame but yeah the keys the keys are something i need to get more involved with just like uh history historically um i need to narrow shit down it's one of the the variable um instruments uh, i think well, i mean no, the only one really i mean mickey kind of had his hiatus and everything mm-hmm. but 
yeah, you have your staple members and then the keyboards was the one, the one changing. It's kind know. of interesting how that happened. And it, it's cool too, because you can look at it like eras, right? You can, this is the pig era. This is the Keith era, the Brent era, you know, and then even um, Bruce Hornsby at the, at the end. Um, incredible. My, I think I've talked to a few people. I don't want to put quotes in anybody's mouth. Um, but a few, maybe my dad and one of some of his friends, Bruce, one of their favorite pianists, just technically, technically an amazing. It is. Things will never be the same. The cool thing about the Grateful Dead too, is all these people you would never really, you would never really like choose to be in the band. Like John Mayer, you know what I mean? Like that came out of, that came out of over left field. Like who, who thought daughter's guy was going to be ripping Jack straw and making me want to rip my hair out or the the 11 solo. Yeah. And we're obviously big John Mayer fans. Like that just shows you his evolution too. When you, when you look back to like continuum, those early albums you are like, you would never have guessed that this would happen. And then you kind of see the sound changing and he he can really, he can play on, uh, uh, you know, songs like these Grateful Mm -hmm. Dead songs. You can kind of see it and then Althea and then they kind of build that connection and just worked. And I'm so happy they did it. Me too. I, I think with him too, it was really important for his, his kind of mystique and his like legend, his legacy. Yeah. Thank you. Of being one of the best guitarists of all time. Cause he had the skill. He was just the guy who probably deserved to get beat up and was singing pop songs to get laid, you know? And I'm sure he loves making pop music cause he still does it. But I think, you know, the dude rips and I think no one really took him seriously unless they went to one of his concerts and were just one of his, the fans of his music until he really started playing, you know, with blues legends like BB. Um, and then he got with the dead and, you know, he did, uh, he did a blues um, he inducted, festival. He inducted Well, I think he inducted Stevie into the, the rock hall of fame. Uh-huh. He played for them, I think with like some double trouble band members, but yeah, he's been yeah. in that scene for like his whole career. Just people who actually listen to him knows kind of, he's the real deal for sure. People who don't just kind of um, dismiss him, but you know, he's, he's, I think he's easily top 10 all time, at least in my, on my list. I mean, it's not a competition, but it's, it's fair to put him there. I think. I think so too. I mean, some of the stuff that he's made, like, some of the stuff he's done live at dead shows, specifically dead and company shows. I, it blows my mind sometimes, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. He's a master, like a legitimate master of the instrument. Mm-hmm. Insane. I, also, I wanted to tell a quick story about Billy too, because we were on the, on the topic where we kind of got off. We don't have, yeah, we don't have any uh, set agendas, but go for our, it. our first show, um, December, 2015. Was that nationwide or Schottenstein in Columbus, Ohio? nationwide um first show and then hopefully we can get our buddy russ on to talk more about that whole that whole that whole trip um because he was really the one who like brought it up and he was the one who like got me there but i remember i was alone because i stupidly bought better tickets than you guys so i was one section down (laughs) yep I was sat, I was sitting around really, really nice people too. And then, and then, you know, they helped me out, got me, got me water and talked me through everything. Cause I was really new to the whole scene. Um, and I saw Billy, I think this was going into drums or coming out of drums, but he was jamming on the left side. He was jamming on his big, big drum rack. Um, he had some small toms off to the left and he was feeling it. 
I was close enough to see his face. He hit this one drum down to the left and he like freaked out like an animal. Like he looked at it, like it like just kissed his wife or something. And then he goes over there and hits it again and then gets really mad. And like, like he didn't like the way it sounded. And then he just pounds it over and over again and just yells at it and then like moves on and hits other drums, but continuously looks at it. Like he just beat it up. Like he was mad at the drum that it didn't sound the way he wanted. It was amazing. And I laughed at it and like pointed at it and no one else saw what I was seeing around, at least around me. And people were just, people thought I was just losing my mind, which, you know, I kind of was, but. That's hilarious. I mean, that's a great story. And uh, I think it's probably Billy just, he's played these drums so much. So he kind of like knows what sound he's going to make. And then maybe it just threw him off when he didn't hear it right. Or maybe it didn't make the right sound for whatever reason. And then he's, yeah, he's just pissed off. That's hilarious. I loved it that he didn't leave immediately. Like they get scared of it. Like he beat it up to like try to try to tame the sound of it. He did a lesson. It was amazing. It was one of the, that was like one of the first hooks, one of the yeah. first nails in the coffin. I was like, dude, this band's serious. This, <laughs> yeah, this, this is a band band, you know? I, I remember uh, you were, you had the seats, which were awesome, but we like, we had pretty high up seats in the, um, in the, in the arena and we ended up just at least i just ended up walking down the steps and like just just standing there like not in the pit but like kind of on the side i was like i don't need seats i'm just gonna sit here everyone was kind of just running around doing their own thing anyways yeah and i had really good sound really good visual so um that was when i yeah like just seeing john up there who i've always been a fan of just ripping and honestly this was when i don't know about you but i didn't know any of the songs really like I, I knew a couple songs, maybe didn't really know what to expect. So it was still that, that kind of moment where you're, you're they're they're changing songs and you have really no idea what to expect. Yeah. Nowadays we hear a song and we're like, Oh, like, we, you know, this is going to go into this, or you kind mm-hmm. of have a feel for like what they're going to play. Or if Even they play the- a first nope. set, uh, if they play a first set, you know, big river, uh, what are they more, what are they more likely to go into you know i mean if they're going to keep it country maybe like a new speedway or me and my uncle you know what i mean but yeah so, and i remember yeah well at uh in cincinnati i think it was 2018 or 2019 in, at riverbend um i guess the first five four or five songs was like legitimate that was nuts yeah and it was just like because i guess it's just a feel a lot of luck obviously but like you just kind of know how their set lists and this is just dead and co i mean i, would, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be able to guess it, a actual grateful dead show back in the day but listening to uh, the Dead and Co. and going to you know what are you seventeen shows? I'm like eleven. Seventeen, yeah, yeah. You just get a feel for the the set list and kind of how they put it together. So I love that part, the that aspect of these shows is just Me kind too. of like the unpredictability. And but every, everyone's fun. around. Like you, you, some of them old heads too still have their books where they write them down and they like write down the set list and then they make pr- predictions and shit. Yeah, it's so good. It's such a good community. Like I remember I was with I was at uh, Burgettstown with my dad and i was just like man i really really want to hear a he's gone and then this dude behind us he was like man i hope you hear a he's gone too i'm rooting for you and then i think it was like early second set um right early second set is right where i like to smoke first joint of the night you know because the sun's kind of going down yep that's the second set is where dead and company starts to get a little more jammy in the songs and they did it and the whole section kind of by then knew I wanted it, he's gone. So it was just hugs all around once they dropped into it. Cause like they were so happy for me that I got the song that I wanted, you know? Yeah. It was awesome. Such a good time. Yeah. Remember when, uh, and so nationwide, actually, this is our second time. We, then the, you and I both went and we went pit and, uh, there was a guy there who we were kind of, we're talking to. They, they played a China cat 
and then um, didn't go into. I know you ride her. They, I think it was like Oteo broke out into. It must have been the roses or like if I had the world to give one of these. Yes. And I was kind of like, what the hell? Like, what's going on? I want my I want my China rider, you know. And the guy who we were talking to was like, just wait. Like he knew he had like inside information. Yeah, that was oh yeah, and then he knew he knew like songs that were coming up too. Like yeah, he, I think he knew the set list. He did. He had an in somehow. I think he he was like a member of of, of the band or some some kind yeah. of connection to him. Um, it was amazing though, because I because I every time, like he like even the jams that they were going into, he would just be like, yep, see, see, like, <laughs> what are you kind of a sage? What are you, what's are going you a on? wizard? <laughs> I remember, was that the show that I, that I um, got a little testy at those people when we first started trying to get our spots down in the pit? Probably. I don't remember the, were they just I, like standing in front of us? Or no, I think we were trying to get a nice spot and we were moving up and I moved, I moved in front of these two people and then they were like, what the hell? And I'm like, and then instead of saying sorry, I was like, I would, it's a pit, man. People are moving. So then we kind of got into an argument. And then I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? I'm arguing someone at a Grateful Dead show. I probably look like the little bitch-ass kid who's just going in there to see John Mayer's rip. And I'm like, you know, they probably think I'm on, like, seven yeah. points of ecstasy and just wanting to feel something. I felt yeah. so ashamed after I walked away. I'm like, I just did the whole history of the Grateful Dead a, a wrong I still probably I, great, well, probably not a great look, but uh, but you can't care about that. It wasn't even that bad. I just you know we we and I was like I'm sorry, and then I left. And but then I still wake up at night sometimes thinking about it. I'm like, <laughs> you damn, just, I look like you're it. like oh this is this is who the band's hands are in now. This I generation. know I I damn. fucking let it down. I had a chance to just be the guy who, but you know whatever. I mean we'll move. This on. What it is. We had a great time. <laughs> I'm sure they did too. Hey, speaking of all the shows we've been to, um. Favorite venue and why? Favorite venue yeah. and why? So that's a good question. I haven't been out west like you have, so I'd I'd say if I have, it'd, pro- it'd probably be one of those more exotic locations. For me, though, can I pick two? Yeah, I did. All right, Wrigley because it's Wrigley. Yeah, it's just it's just not, perfect. Not a bad seat. Not a bad seat in the house. Not a single bad seat. Sounds good, and just like the. I mean, the Grateful Dead played there, so it's just kind of like historic, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's just a great place to be. Everyone's having a good time. It's, it's really set up well, um, and like I said, the sound's really important to me, so that was good. Um, the two We did a back-to-back in Wrigley, so that was a lot of fun, and just the great set list we had both nights. Blossom um, in, would you say it's Cleveland, or where is that? Uh, yeah, Cleveland area, yeah. Yeah, it's like somewhere up there. Those are my um, two. Those are my two as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, Blossom first. Yeah, it's like a field. It's amazing. It's perfect. You're in the middle of the woods. Like, you know, if if you have to pee and you're a man, or honestly, if you have to pee and you're a whoever you are, you can just walk into the woods and pee. Yeah. It's it's such... It's like we're all camping. It's like we're all camping together, but like not... We don't have to actually camp. It's the best. And and yeah, just so beautiful. You can walk around barefoot. The, you know pavilions are really hip nowadays everyone and their mom is making a pavilion and they all look the same really so when they when they have something unique about them it really sticks in my head i think that uh i really i don't i think you know dead and company are too big to play at red rocks but i've always wanted to see someone at red rocks maybe like 
I could see maybe like Billy Strings doing a Red Rock thing, Tyler Childers doing a Red Rock thing, maybe like little Aver Brothers even, even though they play like I know they go to um, Cincinnati and sell out the ballpark. Um, so you know, Aver Brothers are pretty big, but Red Rocks is is, is on my hit list. Somewhere. Yeah, me too. I didn't know that they they were generally like not smaller bands, but like just. I think it's not a very big capacity. I I don't think so. I like that. Yeah, I, I would say um my my go to that I want to hit is the Gorge in Washington, mm-hmm. and it's oh, actually yeah. like, it's the Gorge in George Washington is the place where it's at. So yeah, I mean it really just works, and it I've just seen the backdrops. It's so beautiful. Like I, if I could see a dead show there, and I've actually listened to some Dead Co recordings from. Uh, I think 2016 in the gorge and like one of my favorite shows of theirs. So I'm just like, man, if I could go see them live there, that'd be, that'd be cool. But that anyway. show is infamous for O'Teal doing acid, I think. Right. Cause he, and I, I swear to God, every time he paints his face, he's tripping. Um, Cause he, he wears face paint sometimes. Uh, and, and I remember he did an interview about it where, he just like said that, yeah, I was tripping for that show. And it was just so magical. It was, I think that was one of their, one of his favorite shows during the, the 2016 tour or whatever year that was. Um, yeah. And I love hearing stuff like that. I love hearing it. Me too. I can't imagine playing an instrument while you're tripping on acid. You have to be one with your instrument. And you know, O'Teal is a class A musician. Like he played with the Allman brothers. He played with Tedeschi trucks. Um, I mean, him and his brother, Kofi, too. I mean, that's what a loss that was. Speaking of the Allman Brothers, I want to segue. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to some to mu- new music. I found this on my Discover Weekly. It's called, it's one of the best songs I've ever heard. It ain't, it's called It Ain't Fair. And it's Aretha Franklin and Dwayne Allman. Oh, that sounds incredible. And actually, I just looked it up, too. They did a cover of The Weight, um, which I'm sure is amazing. But this song I'd never heard before. And it is just perfect. It's like... It's like um, it, it's like Big Mama Thornton, Hound Dog. Yeah, gives me that same vibe. Like Aretha's just belting, Dwayne's doing his thing. Is it a classic and, blues song, or it might be? I don't know if it's a cover, but it's it's bluesy for sure. You should. We should I don't know if we can play a little bit, but uh, listen to it, and it's you'll really like it. I think absolutely. And no, I'll definitely check that out. That sounds incredible. I'm always in something about folks like the Almond Bros taking blues into their own world and making it like you hear one chord of a song of an Almond Brothers song, you know, it's an Almond Brothers song, just the way they have their guitars, the tone of their guitars and Dickie Betts with his high string or the high note. Every time he was soloing, you really can't tell it's a tone and then just a play style, but it's fucking perfect. It really is. I think two bands I can live off of. I'll go three. Cause I need them. I need a little anger uh, is, Grateful Dead, Allman Brothers, and Rage Against the Machine. Nice. Three bands that I uh, that I can probably listen to for the rest of my life and be content. For me, it's uh, Zeppelin, Grateful Dead, and then probably like I don't even I don't even have another stadium like rock band that I that I'd put on there. It's just those two. You know, for me, it's jazz and then like some modern yeah. stuff. Probably. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of, where do you think modern music is going? Because I I was kind of talking with Mia about this um yesterday you know is the idea of the band over you know like will we ever see another rolling stones or the who and if we do that's gonna is that impossible to ever live up to that without being compared to oh they're just doing another rolling stones like 
Greta Van Fleet is the big one that comes to mind. Like, oh, they're just doing Aerosmith or Led Zeppelin, you know. But they rip, they really do. But like, is there even room to have bands be how they were? Because I know rock music isn't isn't or probably ever will be as big as it was, you know, let's say in the 70s and the 60s and the 80s. But like, you know, if we if we take our rock history class 30 years from now, guarantee you they're still gonna be talking about the Stones and the Beatles, Bob Dylan. Um it's crazy. I don't know. Who are they going to talk about? The, you know, One Direction, Justin Bieber. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a different Drake, probably. You, you still have your bands. I mean, I was just listening to Goose earlier today. Um, mm-hmm. You never listen to Goose. They're really good. I have, yeah. Goose yeah, and but- Mo. Goose and Mo. Mo? Is that a band? Mo, yeah. M O E, period. They're, okay. They rip. And they do a fair amount of dead covers, too. I think they cover Deal like 30 sometimes. Whoa. Um, in, the, in their, according to setlist.fm, but yeah, continue. Well, yeah, I mean, they're just not as popular, I don't think. Like, it's not, you're really not going to hear, I'm probably not going to hear Goose on, like, the radio like you did with the Rolling Stones, you know? Yeah. It wasn't, like, a household name, but pe- people who like band music um, will go see them, you know, and they'll they'll do just fine. Yeah. I think maybe it's just going underground. Who, who knows if it'll emerge? I'd like to think it will, like that whole movement. But yeah, right now, mainstream music is really not friendly to the the, the instrument playing band member kind of. But like, you know, I mean, maybe it's just a sign of how legendary they were. But, you know, the Stones and the Beatles, they they wrote timeless music. They wrote songs that are catchy, even if they were a pop band, you know, and Literally. Like, how do you, how do you translate that? And, you know, I mean, that's just saying like, how do you paint another masterpiece, I guess, but. Yeah. Great music is timeless. I think about that all the time. Like if I wrote, like I could write a Beatles song right now and then it'd be a, probably a hit, but they wrote it in the sixties. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Right. You just play it maybe a little bit differently. Yeah. I don't think those bands will ever, at least like not in our lifetimes, I don't think they'll be forgotten, but I do think about like, when is, when are the Beatles going to be, like when are the majority of people on earth going to not know who the Beatles were? When are they going to be like the Robert Johnsons, you know? Yeah. Like it just it, keeps getting further and further away. I mean, and as long as people keep making fucking documentaries about them, I don't think that will ever happen. I think the Beatles are too big. I really do. I think someone like Bob Dylan will probably fade, which is a damn shame because he is just incredibly important to not only my music journey, but also my Grateful Dead journey. Yeah. And there's something to be said about them because they were kind of the first emergence of like recorded music. Like, let's be honest. I mean, we don't have a lot of uh, Blind Lemon Jefferson and like Robert Johnson records because recorded music was just a baby at that point. So you start really getting like music's like a cultural staple in the, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Now it's like a, 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 um, yeah, it's like a household thing. You know, like we listen to music, we have our records. So I think that's also why they stick with us, like the Beatles and these these big bands um, or just like, you know, Frank Sinatra, those guys, because they were kind of the first generation to do it. Now it's just it's getting a little bit tired, maybe a little bit. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, in bands like Cage the Elephant, Rip, they're so good. Um, and they even have those catchy, you know, songs that will be played on the radio. But, yeah, I don't I don't think they're I mean, I can't see them packing stadiums when they're 70 you know uh you never know though you never know i don't know another band that's i mean the rolling stones are touring when they're like 70s 80s but the the fact that uh 
the original Grateful Dead members are still out there kicking is awesome. I hope they never stop. And and I'm just I need more Dead and Company shows in my veins. I need them to tour. This COVID thing really scared me because they're old. One, they I they can't get sick. Two, yeah. you know, t- time is against us. But I'm happy they're doing playing in the sand. I know I will never ever be able to afford that. <laughs> um, but I'm just happy that they're fucking doing it. You know, so we can get yeah. more. You know. I feel like uh, if they did if they did a tour and then abruptly ended it and made it their last one because of circumstances it would have left like a a hole in my life where i'm like that that, it didn't end it didn't like there's no conclusion you know what i mean even though i've seen them and i've had an amazing time like i need to have a farewell tour Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i need to know and and like and then when will that i think that honestly i think it's it's going to be sad however it happens because i can't just be like all right this is my last tour and even if they tour again i'm like nope i already said goodbye I can't yeah. do that. I have to, I have to eat it as much as it comes to me. Yeah. True. And then one day it's going to fucking stop. And I'm just dreading that fucking vigil. What, whoever you gotta, be, you, know. you gotta just appreciate it and act like it's, you know, it's going to be your last one, I guess. And that's kind of like life, you know, it's like, yeah, it is. We're going to die. <laughs> so while yeah. we're here, let's just enjoy it and not try to worry about as much as possible. Yeah. As much as we can. Yeah. All right. Well, any, any other music stand out for you this past week or so? Um, I have been listening to Tyler Childers for a long time, but this, I sent you a cover where he covered time by Pink Floyd. So good. This man, I think he might have the best voice the best male voice, I think, um, in music right now. And, but it's so specific. He has this wail where he comes and his voice kind of breaks and then he just hits you with this powerful scream that's just, it works so well for the type of music he plays it does and i would never picture him covering time which is why it caught me off guard and the way he did it was incredible it was it was jaunty it was hooky it was not spacey at all you know the only thing the only critical thing i have for him is is the voice is amazing but it is sometimes uh it feels like straining like because he is kind of yelling a lot mm-hmm. but it works so well that like i don't even care Cause he can kind of cover any song and make it work just cause he knows himself, you know? Exactly. It just, and he, he's a damn good uh, picker too. He, pl- he plays that classic Robert Johnson bass and, and, and lead at the same time. Yep. He's, um, he's the real deal. I think he, I think he's something special. I really do. Um, yeah, he'll be around for a while. His shows are rowdy as hell. I've been to one <laughs> and I almost got into a fight you know just because they're drunk drunk hillbillies you know and I was also a drunk at hillbilly state, state of mind so I was like feeling I was feeling agitated and then but his music is just too good to ruin it <laughs> you know it's too good yeah and he's, about you? I don't see him joining a band he's gonna just keep doing his thing which you know yeah Tyler, do he's got a nice band that, that backs him up um they're actually pretty damn talented they get nice nice pedal steel good bass you saw him when he when he had the uh, the accompaniments, not like solo or anything. He did two songs, two or three songs solo, and then the band came out. Okay, um, yeah. Um, for me, so I want to also tell you another. This is a bird song cover that I found, <clears throat> and you've seen Bob Weir's Tiny Desk, right? Oh yes, the girl with the harp. Yeah, so she Dude. did a, a solo cover with her and her band. What's her name? Where she's singing Michaela David or Davis. Okay, that was is so beautiful. Like, yeah, that song it just brings out a whole new like level of expression for that song, which I think the harp is. I don't. I can't really picture it working with any other Grateful Dead song, but you know, 
That's standing what, uh, on the moon, maybe. Yeah, true. That's what artists do. They push the boundaries. So yeah, need more harp. Need more birdsong covers with with. Uh, I think she was a highlight of that Wolf Bros Tiny Desk. It's the only song I listened to on that. Yeah, tiny desk. <laughs> they did sound a little rough. I do think Wolf Bros sound a little rough. Yeah, but I, I think that's kind of the charm. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that's just Bobby, I guess. I don't know. Bob played with Phil for uh, three songs at Terrapin Crossroads recently. Um, oh, really? And God damn it, I need to get I need to get out there. I, I think it's like an hour and a half away from me. Oh, dude. I don't know. I don't know the ticket situation. I haven't, and also I have no income, so. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably COVID. It's probably now just getting back on its feet. Yeah, but I, I'm keeping my ear to the ground. All right, a uh, question for you: A fire breaks out in your house. You only have time to grab two Grateful Dead albums uh live live or studio what are you picking so it's the last one on earth all right well if i was as uncoordinated to just grab two if that's what you mean i have to pick no because the fire is going to engulf you you only have time to grab two in your collection okay well i think first it's europe 72 because that was the first kind of album that i fell in love with and we're talking a he's gone into a one more Saturday night into Jack Straw into you win again, China writer hurts me too. And then Mr. Charlie is the, 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 the next big standout. I mean, for me, at least that, um, that compilation, it's a compilation album, but God damn, it's so good. It's so good. Pigs kind of last hurrah, I call it. I don't know. Um, but that, that you win again, I believe that's a, um, uh i'm blanking on his name right now he's the hank williams cover it's a highlight for me it's so good i wish i wish dead and company would pull out pull that one out then mr you win again Mm. um and then the mr charlie is just fucking so good the bounce of the of the riff it's so like carnivaly and fun and every time they bust it out you can't not laugh you can't not be like oh and then everybody starts dancing at the same time um my next one is Closing of Winterland. That is another really good live album that I have been listening to for a long time. And it's one of my staples. And it's, it's, it's a New Year's show going into 1981. Right before Sugar Mag kicks the show off, the, the announcer says something like, uh, what you see here is a 10-foot, no, a 12-foot burning ember of marijuana. And it's, just, it's such, it dates it. So it's such like a such like a early 80s thing yeah it looks like 78 uh, december 31st 78 which is i mean a great year it's so good but sugar mag scarlet fire um kicking my me and my uncle uh the, the stagger lee is rocking love this sh- i love the story of that and then maybe if that's the song of the week in the future we can talk more about that yes. um but then i think that's the beautiful jam the dark star other one dark star wharf rat I believe that's what that show is from, but I could be wrong. I but they did it again. If it is not, it's a beautiful Dark Star. Other one, Dark Star Wharf Rat. Yeah, I could pull um, up the set list here, but that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. And then they do a jam in Saint Stephen, Good Love, and Casey Jones, Johnny Be Good, Justice End It. You know, I mean, that's a that's a hype end. That's just an all around good show. I do have to do two honorable mentions though. Don't Postcards worry. of the Hanging, because it's all Bob Dylan songs. And man, does Bob sing Bob well. Um, so does Jerry, but I think Bob really nails it. And then without a net, without a net, it's just, it's just a classic. Um, nice. something, something I would give someone new 
to the dead to listen to, you know, like here's a taste of their live stuff. Um, yeah, no, that's a good one. That's always the question of like, who do you get? What do you give to uh, someone who's just getting on the bus? You know, yeah. but it's interesting that you said postcards of the hang. I, I, that one kind of caught me off guard. I know you're a huge uh, Dylan fan and like you love the <laughs> Grateful Dead Dylan covers. So that mm-hmm. makes total sense. I think that if you if you're asking me what my best show is, what my favorite show is, which I'm not prepared at all, there's got to be at least two, one to two Dylan songs in there. But it's yeah. tough because you only get you only get maybe I don't know eighteen songs, twenty songs, but yeah, at most, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's those are two good ones. Um, and we'll do a set list draft down yeah. the road, yeah. so that'll be really fun. But what, what about you? Let, let me hear yours. So yeah, um, so Europe seventy two was also kind of my uh, my entry point, and and made me fall in love with a few songs in particular but mm-hmm. i probably wouldn't pick it i'm gonna pick pacific northwest uh 73 74 oh it's a good okay. it's a it's just perfect like is that the, the veneta oregon show or is that or is that later in, um where is it i think no because you said i think the veneta oregon's 72 i don't know yeah veneta oregon's i think august 27th yeah i think 72 this is september 7th okay 73 73 and 74 okay oh no that's when it was released so it actually was a compilation of shows in 1973 74 okay so, so scratch that yeah but there's a couple songs in there the china the china cat is like probably one of the best top three of me of all time my favorite um besides the europe 72 which is funny mm-hmm. and just the sound i think they've really got it together this is like when they're doing the um like long spacey jams they got they just really are jazzy the sugary on here is amazing um yeah i mean i said the china cat rider mississippi half step was one of their oh. best 73 74 uh they have a birth on here big river they actually do a dark star as well it's like almost 30 minutes <laughs> i love when they do that i love when mickey brings out that um i don't know what instrument is called but it's like those that ridged wooden stick and it's like he does like a like a little skid right into the, the beginning of dark star um and also i think dark star not to cut you off, but Dark Star and the other one, I think they would lose serious meat without Phil. Phil's yep. Phil's intros to the other one, one, blow your skin off your face. And two, Dark Star, he gets da da And then Mickey hits you with the rake. <sighs> so good. There's not a band that needs a base, a good bassist more than the Grateful Dead. So Phil is I was an hero, I think, even though, you know, the true deadheads will know. They got the fill zone too, that they sit right next to the fill stack on the stage and, and they just, they just let it like vibrate their ribs and shit. That's hilarious. I love it. But yeah. So what's your second one? Yeah. The eyes, there's an eyes of the world on there too. That's really good. So my favorite eyes, my favorite eyes is actually uh, November 11th, 73. And that's a winterland show. So like fall 73 is just kind of right now my favorite time span, my favorite era for the Grateful Interesting. Dead, just their sound. But that's one. I would say without a net is uh, probably the, the second. And that's yeah. funny because it's 89, right? I think and so, yeah. So just a completely different, you know, 13-year or 16-year difference um, there. But, yeah, you introduce some of the sax and just a whole new dimension. Um, I think it really captures the band. Is that Marcellus? Um, yeah. Well, what is his name? William Marcellus? I know it's something like that. I I, I should have it. 
Um, but 89 is interesting. Brantford. Um, 89 is a perfect, is a, is a commonly good year uh, for our song of the week too. That's what I've found in my research, but we'll get to that. Yeah. That's a we'll teaser. Right there. We've got a couple teasers already. We do. Okay. I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think we should go to, uh, unless you, unless you have something else to, uh, to add. Uh, oh no. The only other thing I was noticing though, and this is kind of in, in preparation for our song of the week. Um, there's like, I don't know if you've noticed this, there's like no eighties or nineties dicks picks. There's I've counted eight. There's only eight. Um, really? Yeah. Like, I know what, they did 30, 30 right? They, I think they did 30. Yeah. At least that sounds right. So I haven't really thought about that. Yeah. They're all in the seventies, which I mean, my favorite decade. So that's fine with me. I just think it's funny because it's <laughs> hard to get a, um, a picture with the dick pics of some of their other shows and after seventies. I know there's a new Dave picks um, release because <laughs> like the, the, the current curator, Dave Lemieux, uh, he's the archivist, the Grateful Dead archivist, and he's 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 releasing Dave picks. But there's a new one coming out in uh, I don't know either now or like in a few weeks. I didn't know there was a that was a thing. But he yeah he is uh he he's the one who released the Pacific Northwest or not the one who but I think he like he he's the archivist so he was like in charge of the release of the, of the the Pacific Northwest vinyl and in the the seventy three seventy four run that you mentioned. He the way he talks about the Gravel Dead too is awesome. I think he he has he's on Sirius XM on their radio show sometimes, but he's just so meticulous and so um, precise in the way he like builds up these songs, you know. And I I, I love hearing him talk. He's very like uh, nerdy about it, you know. Yeah, I love the descriptiveness. Like, there's some Instagram accounts I follow, and they'll just do like, here's our songs of the week, and they'll kind of post them and then break down like each song like. Oh, and then Jerry goes into a, you know, an absolute scrabble of a uh, another dimension on this you know, dark star, and then eventually finds the void, and then you know, like it's <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. A, are you ready for? Uh, should we get? Should we do an ad read? Or I think we. I think time to hear from our sponsor. Um, yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Tommy, spin that track. banjo music down i'm trying to study for my sats oh come on now forget those s gay b's come down here i've got something important to talk to you about what what's going on why are you talking like that sit down over sit sit, sit down right over there all right so you know every day when you come back from school i ask you how was your day and you say it was all right and i say oh yeah just all right and then you say yeah and I say, that doesn't sound just all right. And then you say, well, it was. And then I say, nothing fun happened, nothing fun at all. And then you say, it was fine, Dad, just leave me alone. And then I say, I wish I could, but I'm contractually obligated to talk to you at least twice a day. And then you say, why does everything have to involve contracts with you? No wonder Mom ran off with Uncle Dave. And then I say, don't you mention that name in this house ever again. And then you say, ugh, I hate you. And then I say, well, I hate you too. And then you run upstairs and slam the door and we don't talk until you get hungry and you eventually come downstairs and ask me to make my world famous microwave nine cheese grilled cheese and then we hug it out and make up. I mean, yeah, that's, that's usually how, how it goes. Well, those days have changed, sister. No more microwave. Uh-uh. Hold on to your hat because I'm here to introduce you 
the brand new stainless steel carbon fiber smart convection oven from Benson's, from Benson's moderately priced appliance store on Route 85. Yes, sir, the, this countertop workforce comes fully equipped. I'm talking 12 preset functions that include toast, bagels, bake, roast, broil, pizza, cookies. Dad, for real, why are you talking like this? I don't give a shit about a convection oven. Reheat, warm, air fry, and the coveted slow cook feature. I'm going upstairs. I hate it when you get like this. I'm calling Katie, Katie, no, wait, 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 wait. Don't go. Just one more thing. What? You can get all that for the low, low price of just $650 if you use the promo code. Contracts are good. Now that's C-O-N-T-R-A. Oh my God, I see you. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, uh, see you down here for dinner, I guess. Benson's moderately priced appliances. Come on in. We're family. Thank you so much, Benson's. Uh, that, that means a lot. Um, I've been okay. shopping at I've been shopping at Benson's for a long time. Moderately pli- moderately priced. I always feel like family in there. Yeah, really, uh, really interesting. Uh, really interesting product for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have a slew of, you know, I don't know. It's just. I gotta say, I didn't know I was a girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honestly i didn't either i was just like you know what fuck it her name's katie <laughs> all right that would, have, that would have helped my method a little bit more but you get the idea hey no it's you know we, we do it live baby we do it live so right all right all right once again thank you benson's and i think it's now time for the deep dive the dead deep dive aka the song of the week what do you think absolutely let's hear a drum roll And this song, this week's song of the week is Deal. The one and only. The one and only Deal. Um, Yet another song with heavy symbolism of gambling. Grateful Dead seem to love that. Um, And also, who the fuck doesn't? Um, Background, released in January 1972 on the uh, Jerry Solo album, Garcia. Garcia, but first played... On February 19th, 1971, Capitol Theater, Port Chester, New York. I love how they do that. They, 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 but I, it also, I don't think it was played again in 1971 until 1972, of which they played it 39 times that year. And it seemed to just kind of go less and less as the years went on. Is that Um, true? It's a, it seemed like a staple. I was going through a lot of shows and I was just finding it at e- with ease. But. Oh, they played it. I mean, I, but I think, you know, in like 1978, maybe I'm pulling that out of my ass. They played it once. Um, uh, Interesting. Well, Jerry Garcia band, however, from 78 to 1995 um, also played it. It was heavily featured, the most being an 83 with 34 plays. Um, yeah. It's definitely a staple. Um, how does it rank for you in terms of uh, your, one of your favorite songs or, or not so much? I think, it's, I think it's always a song I welcome. It's never a song I go into a show hoping to hear. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. It kind um, of it, it's like everyone acknowledges it. You know, it is what it is. But you can get some really, really nice jams. And um, it's, it's kind of like a happy medium song, I feel like, for a lot of people where it satisfies. Kind yeah, of exactly. It's a perfect song to pick the crowd up too. Like maybe if you're coming out after like a China doll or standing on the moon or something, and then you just, you hear that, that bounce, it gets the crowd up. Everyone starts dancing. Totally. 
Uh, and, and then just quick on the background too. So released on that Garcia album. This is um, this is a crazy album kind of that Jerry released, obviously with Robert Hunter. And I think Bill was on drums. Yeah. But the first four songs are Deal, Birdsong, Sugary, and Loser. Like what a freaking stretch there. Yeah. Wow. That they wrote and then, you know, obviously became staples for the, the Grateful Dead show. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know Sugary is a, is a big Jerry song. Totally. And um, uh, yeah, for me, I used to not like this song so much because of, I think the intro was just like cheesy to me or something. It just like, oh, here we go again, like with the bluesy, like bouncing up and down. But then I, the more I listened to it, honestly, the more I appreciated it. And the guitar playing is really intricate. Everyone, like Phil um, or whoever's on bass really has a, a tough job and um the, the keys you can do a lot of soloing, yeah. a lot of fun stuff everyone's really in sync and this week it's actually really grown on me as well just listening to it a lot more so me too probably cracking maybe not a top 10 but like it's it's top 15 or 20 for me i'd say so i i just i find it so baffling that that song came out in 1972 that song does not sound like a song comes out in the 70s you know what i mean if you're thinking about the musicscape music scape in the 70s to me that's just like that's like maybe like a 50 song or something i don't know or maybe or even later maybe it just kind of sounds like a country rock jam you're right i don't know too, the gambling and everything i mean yeah I mean, if it is about gambling i guess like we, we can kind of assume it is but it's yeah it's, i mean you know you, you got your you got your references to it the deal you know play play your cards blah 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 watch each hand you play play it slow yeah. So I think it's kind of, you know, a life motto with gambling. My thing's uh, though, like, okay, there's a deal. It's, it's kind of like a implied it's, it's going down. Like it's going to happen. Something's happening with relation to this deal, but it's also, they're telling us not to let it go down. So which is it? Don't let that deal go down. I think that means like, don't let, don't let your life get fucked up is what I've always taken, taken it as like, don't, don't let the deal as in the big D, the big deal, you know, like don't let your life go to shit. Don't let bad shit happen. Really? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that sounds right. It's, for me, it's either don't let the deal go down, whatever that means, like whatever that is, don't let the deal happen. Mm-hmm. Or it's like after you, after it happens, don't let it get away from you, like protect it at all costs. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some parallels there, but uh, again, one of those kind of like, open-ended um sort of ambiguous songs that i really like although you can kind of tell the the main topic of it it's just they leave it open enough just to kind of have your own interpretation for sure and i think this song is also somewhat i think it it can get a little repetitive at the end is kind of why it's not high on my list right you know where you know that they they repeat don't let that deal go down um eight times at the end yeah, it's like that uh, Guns N' Roses song. Is it? Am I? Is that right? Where they're like, uh, "Not give me shelter." Actually, that's that's Rolling Stones. What's the one where they just keep saying the same thing over and over again? Dream on. Is that Dream on? Oh, that's gonna bug me now. I'm not an avid Aerosmith user. You said. But uh, they they I forget who it was. I'll find out maybe for next episode, and we'll, we'll go back to it. But the the uh, songwriter like did, didn't want to come up with the rest of the song, so he's like, "Let's just just keep." <laughs> the chorus over and over again i'm like i don't like this song anymore because you did that yeah feels good enough to where they they kind of embellish it and it's mm-hmm. still real catchy but i agree it, it does take away a little bit and it puts me in that red rock mood that high desert mood you know i feel like like if we're getting 
this. Give me another one. Give me, give me, me, my uncle. Give me, uh, you know, give me you win again. Let me, let me feel like I, I can shoot somebody and get away with it just because they looked at my girl. You know what I mean? Kind of that. I feel like that kind of vibe. Big blues. Yeah. Like that kind of, yeah. Or like, uh, um, my, my favorite number one occupation is steal moments from the other man. Just kind of. Oh, like, God. Yeah. New Minglewood. Yeah. Let's go. So good. I mean, that's probably one of the best pimp rock songs of all time. <laughs> yeah. You have to be like in your freaking bag to write that song. <laughs> I know. I mean, okay. The deal, how it catches me though. There's a lot of really good lines. Like I've been gambling hereabouts for 10 good solid years. What a good way to start off a story. Mm-hmm. You no, know, you're like, it's like you're getting talked down to by an old hat. You know, they're like, listen, I've been doing this for a while. All right. And then, if I told you all that went down, you wouldn't fucking believe it. It would burn your ears off. You know, that's it's, my favorite line. It's great. It's great. I was just gonna say that's Hunter at his peak because he can kind of give you that old, like traditional American writing style. I've been gambling here about and it, it works so well, like, uh, like pace wise, you know? Yeah. And, you know, speaking of American get to get political for a little bit, these last few years I've had, I've struggled with like, just liking my country at all and the little in the in the in the in the littlest bit i would say patriotism is almost uh not worth it overrated um overblown fake um i don't know but i think that to look at it in a lens of grateful dead music where they embodied americana that point of history so well and at the same time they were against almost everything that is happening nowadays, you know, with, with, um, you know, violence against so many different races and, 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 you know, marginalized people. Mm-hmm. So, it, so looking at it in that view where the Grateful Dead embody a certain America, uh, a certain America that I think that I can, I can agree with. And I think that they, their lyrics pointed out so well, but at the same time, that America still has its problems because one, I don't think it has ever really, been a thing i think just a large amount of people pretended that it was a thing and lived like it was a thing but in a, in the large scope of things i don't think it has ever been a real thing yeah we um, never really, really lived up to the uh the idea ideology that we believe america to be which i think is okay it's like we, we understand that it's a work in progress but we need to never stop trying my thing is patriotism should be rooted in the truth it should never be it should never be something where you try you have to like uh, black out certain parts of your history or, right. or certain parts of your origin or just just kind of like slant things a different way to make it seem like you're living up to your your american ideology or your mm-hmm. way you ever want to frame um you know the country that you live in i think it needs to be okay this is what happened this is what's happening and let's be better and figure out what we want to like what we want to be and how can we get there so right. patriotism to me is okay nationalism never okay like those kind of things are kind of, there's a fine line between them. Right. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I love America, but it's been hard. <laughs> it definitely has been hard the past four years. And then yeah. um, being more conscious of things that are going on, you know, it's tough because you struggle with, I want to, I mean, like, why would I want, why would I love my country when I'm one, I didn't choose to be here and two, when it commits an atrocity every day, every day, not it, but the people inside of it too, you know? Um, and, and then you look at, you know, let's take a country song um, from the Grateful Dead. A lot of them do have problems. You know, they're with a 15 year old girl sometimes, you know, and it's like, sure. They didn't write that, but they, you know, that's the classic 
Western ballad. You know, I'm flipping a pace, uh, El Paso. It's like with a peso in my hand with a girl at just 15, you know, and 16. Yeah. And so that's a problem. You know, like all the big heroes that we were talking about, Rolling Stones got, they had a whole court thing with, you know, underage sex and stuff. So I think, I mean, there's been a lot of problems, but keeping it on the American problem, I think that, and the very surface of it, and we're, we're talking about music here, right? Music can affect thousands, millions, but it really only goes as deep as it possibly can, which isn't as deep as the issues that we're talking about. But looking at America, looking at the United States and in a lens of the Grateful Dead, I think can be healthy. So that's kind of where I've tried to, to go into it because they embody this America that, you know, they have a famous interview um, I think when they were living in San Francisco on H street where they were all in their living room and Jerry says something along the lines of like, you know, we don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want anybody to get hurt. We just want to focus on taking the world half a step, or, uh, you know, forward a step or half a step, um, you know, and he just makes it so simple. He just makes it so simple. It's like, nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to hurt anybody. We just want to make progress in whatever, whatever form that may be whether it be a half a step or a full step. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's always struck me too. Cause it's like, you can take something there from their lyrics like that. Yeah. And then just those kind of interviews where they kind of give you a peek into side, inside of their, uh, their like morality or kind of their uh, like, I hate to use the word inner beat inner, inner being, but it definitely gives you a better glimpse of like into who they are. I think they're great Americans and, and great uh, like just people in general. And that definitely reflects in their music and in the songwriting for sure. You can't deny that, even though definitely uh, there's some, some indications of the times they lived in, in some of their mm-hmm. songs. For sure. Yeah. And you know, you can't get away with, from that, <laughs> you know. Um, Can I, one thing about deal. Yes. I think it might have the best, um, the best adjective potential of the dead's discography. Interesting. Hot, smoking. Oh, for sure. Burning. Um, whipping. Yes. All yes. I mean, give me another one right off the top. Flying. I don't know. I only had, the four. <laughs> <laughs> I had four loaded. Uh, I I'll go, I'll go. I'll go dusty, but in the best way, you know, you, you kind of get that gritty. Like I remember um, I can go into this story another time, but I got miracled in, in 2017, the Boulder. Cause we had, we had, they did two nights and we had tickets for the second night and we got there a day early. So we we're like, fuck it. Let's try. Missed the first two, three songs came in on a, came in on a um, big river. Then they hit a, uh, Althea new speedway music never stops ripple to close the first set. And it was great. Open the second set with a St. Stephen. They did, they did an estimated eyes and then they hit, they had a nice break. They had a nice reset where it was, I remember it like it was yesterday. And then they hit the most powerful deal intro I've ever heard in my life. And then I knew it was deal. Cause I had been 2017. I'd spent the last two years pretty much just only listening to the grateful dead music. So I knew what that that intro was. And as that on note two, I was like, fuck yes. And I said it so loud <laughs> that the, the entire I was in the pit because I got pit bands for free. And I'll again I'll get into that story later on another episode. But uh everyone in the pit seemed to turn to me 
because I said it so loud. Because it was like, bump them. Fuck yeah! Because, yeah. so dude, it like, was... You know, I'm not. It was exactly just what I needed. You know what I mean? It was like, all right, they just broke from a nice eyes. It was spacey. It was jammy. It was good. Give me something hardcore. Give me something that I know I can just dance in my seat to. It's rocking, dude. The Deal is one of the most rocking songs, which is why I think, and you you touch on this, 89 is a is a commonly highlighted year for Deal because I think Derry, Jerry and the whole band in particular started to move a little fast paced in a lot of songs. And then mm-hmm. um, Jerry's tone changed a lot to where it was a little bit, uh, a little bit more juiced, a little bit more, uh, a little rougher, I guess I would say, which yeah. which is indicative of like rock and roll. So this song just works because they they spaced out the song. You go from like seventy two when it was like five minutes mm-hmm. to like ten minute deals where they're just jamming and Jerry's rocking. So yeah, I can totally see that when you're at the show and you're like, I need a little bit of a pick me up. You hear that that like basically that engine starting with that intro. Yeah, that's perfect you're ready to go i think um because i have a few favorites and i like how you touched on 72 and 89 because there's big disparities in there from those from those two years 72 you're right was like four to five minute deals they were slower because i have two that really stood out for me the veneta organ that i kind of talked about august 27 72 constantly chugging groove but it was slower you kind of got in your seat, you know, they weren't going to do anything crazy. Joe, uh, Joey, Jerry hit a nice like tonal, uh, tonal solo, um, where he was speaking to you. He didn't really move much. Um, but it was still really just perfect as in the band was all on it. Same thing with the Olympia theater in Paris, May 4th, 72. Those two have a lot of similarities to me, pig and Jerry, play really well together. And I also think that deal for me is a big lead guitar uh, piano song. The way yeah. that, the way that those two, that that's why I think my all time favorite is uh, Rick stadium or rich stadium, uh, July 4th, 1989. Um, this one is faster paced. Brent has some great organ fills in the back. Um, and then Jerry's solos are, 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 super emotional and perfect very they travel high emotion high energy i really like a faster deal okay interesting i'm the opposite kind of but what, what was that date there on the 89 you liked 89 was july 4th 1989 i believe it's rich stadium but i also have sloppy handwriting that's right yeah i'm looking at it here now yeah that okay. july july uh of 89 is a really hot uh deal kind of stretch there my one of my favorites from 89 was um april 30th so kind of spring and summer i think blends really well with deal and they're both yeah they're both really rocking and fast although there's one that i really like and are you done with your two that you mentioned yeah that's it that's it for me okay so 78 february i think it was like what was it, dane county coliseum which i actually don't know where that is but yeah it's um it's dick's picks dick's, dick's picks 18 I believe. Yes. Dan Cali Coliseum. Um, it's a really melodic deal. It's kind of in the, in between like a slower 72 deal. And then in between the, uh, 89 rockins rockin deal. So I, I like okay. that. I like the grooving deals like dead and Code does it really well, but they find like a groove. It's not so much a, a rock song, like a train's going. It's, it's kind of like a, um, like a walk they're doing or something. Mm-hmm. So, like a jaunt. Yeah, yeah, a sort of uh, like a strut almost, but it's like 
it's like powerful because of the, these chords that they're playing. Um, definitely a keyboard and guitar heavy, although the bass is obviously always driving the bus, especially mm-hmm. with the song. So, yeah, I mean, that about sums it up for me. A great, great song overall and, and perfectly placed in the set list. I think it's it, it I don't really think you can have a like amazing show. Let me put it this way. I think all the best Grateful Dead shows I can think of, or at least the best um, Dead & Co shows I've been to have had a deal. Interesting. And also I, I need, I had a list early on of how many songs I've, I've heard and when I've heard them, I lost it. So I stopped keeping count. Also, it was just a lot of fucking work. Um, but you're right. I think some of the, like, did they play a deal in, in uh, Chicago? That's a good question. I feel like they did, but. Cause they played a deal. I, I, I know I had a few deals um, in my time, maybe three or four, four and 17 shows, which is, which isn't bad. I actually don't think I've had that many live. I, I think what I'm, what I'm really referring to is streaming. What I've listened to. I'm like, okay. oh, yeah. it's a great show. Oh, it has a deal in it. And it's rocking. So that kind of makes sense. It's just sort of like a good backbone to a lot of shows. It really holds up. Yep. Um, yeah. And then the energy is, is huge. As far as covers go, I touched on it. And it, yes, it, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's um, nostalgic. But that deal from uh, June 9th, 2017, Dead and Company, it's a hot one. It's a hot one. And they don't have, they, they released June 10th on streams. Uh, June 9th, I don't believe. The, they haven't even put it on any uh, Saturday. What year? One more Saturday night, 2017. Oh, okay. Um, and so they, they, I don't even think they've put out any YouTube streams of that show. I don't know what the hell's going on, but you can find it on nugs.tv or nugs, whatever. And you can, you can buy it on there. And I'm sure there's people on Reddit who have um, recordings of them. You can download maybe on Google docs or something, but it's a hot one. Okay. Wow. Interesting. I haven't seen that one. Um, there's, the, there's one on YouTube. It's, <laughs> It's uh, the title is DNC Hot Deal 060819. So June 8th, 2019. Oh, good. That's more, that's more recent. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, it's at the Gorge, of course. So nice. that may be where I'm getting that uh, idea from. I just think it's, it's perfect in like a, a great show because it mixes up like between your jazzy eyes and like estimated profits or like mm-hmm. a helps with Frank and you got your deal. It, it hits all the marks. So this one, it, listen to it. If you haven't, it's 18 minutes long. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm there. I'll do yeah, it. Find it. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. And, and I guess one other thing I want to touch on. So this, this chord change they do, and you're familiar with it. It's, they start with the A um, and then they go to this, what is it, like a C sharp. Yeah. It's a C sharp nine or C sharp uh, seven, which is like the, the fifth of the sixth of A. So they're in A pretty much the whole time, but if they go out of the, the key for this, Chord change, it's like, um, how does it go? Dun, 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 and then they go, like, mm-hmm. yeah. it feels like it's alien, but it works so well. It, it's really, um, I think, characteristic of like a lot of show tuny kind of like bluesy show tuny type songs. So that's maybe why it does feel nostalgic. Um, but other than that, it's pretty straightforward, like, you know, key of A, and they can do a lot of jams on it. But as a guitarist, I think it's really um, underrated and how difficult it is because you have to follow these chords so well. And in such, in such tempo, like you really can't get lost and yeah. it's easy to get lost for sure. So 
Jerry, um, John, all these guys that have covered it, like props. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, I love when the Grateful Dead, the Jerry Elixson specific, uh, specifically, that allow the guitarist and the whole band to reset every measure, is it? Is, am I speaking correctly? Where it's like they, but, you know, they, they have their hook and they have their, like the deal is bump, but dun, 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 dun. but then every time there's a specific song that's it might be Jack Straw that does this, where every time they kind of jam a little bit, they have they they redo the um they redo the kind of lick, yeah. and and then it resets the whole band, and then and then you're ready, and then and then you just keep on going, you know. That's right. The Dreadful Dead are the masters at that. And let me just play it real quick. I don't know if you can hear this very well, but I want to do this. So it's like that chord change right there is is what they do. It's like it's not in the key of A, but they do it. They do it uh, for this song, and I can't think of another song that does it. But it gives you this like ooh, like kind of mm -hmm. lifts up the feet a little bit, and that's that's the key characteristic for for deal for me that sets it apart from like any other Grateful Dead song. It's just just how unique it is. Awesome. But all right. Um, hey, good, uh, good talk. Good episode. Um, we'll see you guys for episode three um, of In the Pocket. I'm, and, uh, I'm, I'm Adam. And I'm Keegan. Uh, <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> uh, stop that. Reverse those. Thank you. And Tommy? <laughs> Tommy, you want to play us out? Is it Tommy? I thought it was, uh, I thought it was another guy. Was oh, shit. Name? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You got to have some consistency. All right, well, yeah, we had a new uh, new band, so Tommy, play us out. All right, see ya.